0: What's up? And welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. Today is Monday, August fifteenth. We are still in the dog days, but we are still coming back with more Eastern Conference teams, as always. Got Ronan here. How you doing, man? Ready to talk some magic?
1: I am. I am. We're going. We're going the opposite way. This uh, now we were we were working our way up towards the top from the from the playing teams, and now we're going from the bottom up. So.
0: Well, we, we saved the best for last. And uh, bottom to the top, I think maybe, uh, maybe we'll talk about some, uh, some teams we will get out of the bottom, or maybe not. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how high you are on these guys as opposed to me. But I want to start with the Magic. And I want to start with Bancaro, first and foremost. And I want to ask you this. Has your view since the pre-draft process changed about who Caro is and who he's going to be for the Magic?
1: Not really, because I was always very high on him. And I, I think oh, some some of the things you're seeing now is uh, the old beef with DeJounte Murray and little t- nah. different different, uh, different crap like that. I mean, that's uh, nothing out of the ordinary. He's getting his name out there. I think he, he always looked like the kind of guy who was instantly going to come into this Magic team and just be the guy. This is my team. And he was just going to lead right from the off. And I, I, I think that's... Uh, that's how it still looks and I, and I believe that he's going to be a, a really really talented rookie and you, you're you going to see big stats from him this year
0: yeah I just to gloss over the uh DeJounte Murray and Bank Hero thing I, <laughs> I I don't know what the hell that's all about like um clearly it seems like there's some hidden beef between like not between them it seems like DeJounte Murray is just out of his I don't know out of his lane but people are like, oh, the, the Atlanta already got in him by now. But I, I don't get it. Right, it, was, it was kind of corny to me, to be honest. It, it was kind of corny, that attitude. Like, there wasn't, didn't seem to be a lot to it. And Murray's just starting stuff out of nowhere. And Ben Carroll kept his cool. And I liked how he responded to it on social media. It wasn't He didn't make a huge deal out of it. I think it was Murray who did. Um, take that for what you will for a rookie responding to a veteran like that. But, uh, you know, you can't take a whole lot out of him dropping 50 in a prime league. Well, you can take a lot, I think, out of what he did in summer league. You know, we, we, we always put the asterisk there because, you know, this isn't against NBA defense. It's not against uh, that level of organization, that level of scouting, that level of athleticism. However, I will say this because we should talk about for these rookies, you know, what's, what's that skill that's going to immediately set them apart? That's really going to help them excel in the NBA, going from a college game to NBA game. And I think what he flashed is what we didn't see a ton in college, but he did have in high school, which is the playmaking. I mean, the playmaking was just on full display in summer league. And when you look at this roster, the the weapons that he has around him, I think to be kind of this point forward kind of guy, I think he demonstrated that the magic really have an interesting way of using him as kind of a not maybe not a floor general but as a point forward uh for this team
1: yeah yeah I think that's 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 fair you look at it and you think the size that he has and the fact that he is probably not the greatest shooter in the world I'm sure that will come as he as he gets to play in the league Mm -hmm. we've just seen so far what we've seen in college not the most consistent and amazing shooter so with a guy, when he has the talent, he has the vision, you're going to look for him to be a big playmaker for you. And you hope that he'll have kind of a bit more time to do that in his rookie year, especially with the guys that he has around him, like like Franz Wagner, like Cole Anthony. He's not going to be the league guy you think of when you think of playmaking on this team, but that could, be, that could play right into Orlando's hands if they look to play through him a bit more.
0: Yeah, I... Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned Cole Anthony, and we'll talk about lineups in a minute. Um, so for these teams, what we're going to talk about, you know, what, what lineups they could experiment with. But I, I really feel like from day one, you know, Markel Fultz, I think on a separate note, should be their starting point guard. But for the guy who really sets the floor, who, who's going to be the guy in the last five minutes, last five minutes of the game who you hand the ball to? And I think that guy's been Caro, even from, from day one. I think it should be. I mean, in in terms of his shot making, even even if he's missing shots, I I think that's something that they should explore because of his vision and because of the mismatches that he can create. I, I think it's it's this is a year of experimentation for all these teams we're talking about. But in particular, if you can give a role to him that he can grow into, that would be that would be really interesting for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100 agree. I think that the the magic have been on the only only the last couple of years. Really, they were kind of a perimeter playoff team, playing sort of team before that. It's only the last two years, but they appear to have found their man that they want to rebuild around in in Paolo Bancaro. So yeah, absolutely, right from the off, give him the reins. And might not always come up jumps in his rookie year, but let him know you believe in him. Give him give him the opportunities, and he'll be ready to grow and build on that in the future.
0: Yeah. What do you think Ben Carroll will probably struggle with the most as, as a rookie? I mean, we were hyping him up. I think offensively is going to be great. Talk about his shots, talk about his playmaking, talk about his size. But where do you think he might struggle?
1: I think it's going to be the defensive side. Not that he doesn't have yeah. the ability to be a good defender, but it's just the consistency wasn't always there in college and he's going to be put under more pressure, a lot more pressure in the NBA. So I think that's going to be the side where we see him struggle and possibly with the shot as well. But I think that'll that'll develop, but from the start, I think that's going to be the main area struggle.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the so it's it's always a double edged sword for players like this. I think that you have the NBA spacing. So as a as an offensive player, like he's just going to have so much more room to work with. He's going to have more shooters on the perimeter. He's going to have more space to work both in the post. He's saw him be a great post player. I think he'll be even even better, especially in the switching NBA. But and then you look on the other side of it he's on the other end of it. So he's going to have to learn how to be either a switchable defender or play in the drop. And teams are absolutely going to target him, especially with him being a liability, at least on the scouting report. But I, I think I, I do agree with you on the defensive end. Um, and I did agree with you what we said about the shooting too. I think the shooting will come. Um, I think it's more encouraging, at least the, the shots that he does take, even though they're difficult shots that at his size to be taking pull-up threes, to have the footwork to get into his shots and create his own shot that's something we saw in the scattering report and that's something that is showed up in summer league but um i think to kind of address that i, I think defensively i i can project bank Caro to i mean he has the quickness and he has the leaping ability the quick leaping ability like he's he's not like a, a lumbering big guy like he's quick and he can really he can jump off one foot he can jump off two feet and he can do it quickly i mean he has the tools to be a really good help defender at the rim Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if they can kind of simplify his defensive role in that way, uh, that is a way I think the Magic can employ him. And I think he could find a way to be a positive defensively, even though I I mean on on switches and, and that sort of thing on the perimeter in his rookie year, he's just gonna get smoked. I think that there's gonna be a huge learning curve there. But I, I agree with you. I think he has all the physical tools. You look at everything that people said about Tatum coming into the league and how he was. Not a good defender, you know, falls asleep, blah, blah, blah. I think you can apply a lot of those things to Bankero's situation, and we'll see how he grows year by year. But yeah, the defense should be rough, but hopefully they find a small but positive role for him like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's down, that's down to the coach. Yeah, hopefully he'll be able to work on that. He's got, got the full summer to figure that one out. One thing's for sure, I think as long as Bancaro is healthy, I think he's going to be top two in terms of rookie of the year voting. If not Absolutely. number one, I'm see, I'm already thinking like, he'll, he'll probably be like a, a 26 and four sort of player. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it like that already.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you think anyone's going to still pull out the Ben Simmons rookie of the year award joke? If he plays next year, I hope
1: not.
0: I It's too long. Oh my God. Um, let's get into some sophomores. Uh, we want to talk about some of these other players on steam and, um, Two complete opposite stories. Franz Wagner, just an absolute surprise at seven, first First-team all-rookie in a stacked year. I mean, that's a big compliment to, to get first-team all-rookie in a year like last year. Um, and he just was really a jack-of-all-trades. And the master of all-none kind of mantra, I don't think, is a slight against him. As a rookie, he was good at really everything. You ask him to handle the ball and play make, you can do it. You ask him to play off the ball as a cutter and a shooter, spot up. Like he does everything. Ask him to be a screener. Like he, I think he, I don't know how to word this, but not obviously not the best player in the draft. But potentially right now, the most versatile player in this draft. Like he can really do everything. And I think that's such an impressive thing to see from a rookie. A guy, like usually you want to bring rookies along and you want to introduce their role slowly see what they're good at, slot them in, in those situations. But the Magic asked him to do everything last year, and he did it, and he did it pretty damn efficiently. And then you look at Jalen Suggs, the guy who was drafted ahead of him, the guy that a lot of Raptors fans are like, what the hell are we doing? Not, I mean, We lost, we missed out on the opportunity. But that ended up being the right pick. Obviously, Scotty Barnes, rookie of the year, and Jalen Suggs, efficiency-wise, one of the worst players in the league last year. Not to say he's always going to be like that, but kind of a complicated season. I don't know. How did you feel about his performance? And Do you feel like you would just give him a mulligan? Is there room for growth? How do you see it?
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely room for growth there. I think, uh, obviously, we only saw him in 48 games. He had a couple of different injury issues throughout the season. When he was on the court, yeah, it was very inefficient. Uh, There were times where you could watch and just think, good God, what were Orlando thinking when they drafted this guy? But then he also had those flashes where you think there really is a player here. He Maybe he just needs that that extra bit of time because he averaged 12 points and four and a half assists uh, in his time on the floor. He started 45 games. So they obviously had a belief in him. Obviously it helped that Marcel Fultz was being him himself and just not being available to play for uh, the majority of that time, unfortunately. But... I think the playmaking is there. I think he's going to grow as a player. I think we could still look at Jalen Suggs as a really key contributor on this team in a few years because I think him and Cole Anthony as a pairing would be interesting because it would be kind of similar to Sexton and Garland because I think Cole Anthony could take, or Cole Anthony can be that just elite knockdown scorer, whereas Suggs could be that bit more of a playmaker that won't be... Constantly having to look for a shot as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think one thing we can say about Suggs, at least you know, if we just ignore the offense, if you just ignore the offense, I mean, offensively, we can give him the credit for. I mean, he is such a hustle player. He in the open court, I mean, the guy's just a demon. Like he is really getting after it, and that's the kind of guy that you want in the modern NBA. Um, we can give him credit defensively for sure. I mean, he on Basketball Index, I mean, he is ranked um, very highly, and you see how Hardy he hustles, Use top 10 in uh, percentage of loose balls collected. Um, you really have to dig deep for some stats to praise him on, <laughs> but, but it, it does check out, like, he's an absolute competitor, and that matters not just in terms of, like, you know, team building, like, what kind of guys you want on this roster to make a competitive team, but I think he offers elite perimeter defense, and if his ceiling is like... Marcus Smart level defense, then I mean, is that the worst thing ever? Like if, if you, if you have, if you have a guy who, you know, is great in the open court is maybe an okay at best, like shooter, then, you know, maybe that's just something you have to live with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think if you get up to that sort of level, that'd be absolutely huge for this, for this Orlando team. It's always an element that you need in a, in a in a guard, if you can get a, find a good defensive guard who's a decent playmaker, that's an important role player that you need as you look to move up the league and stop being the the whipping boys and start competing to get into the playoffs again.
0: Yeah. Um, so I also want to talk about an old friend, Wendell Carter Jr. That this is tough to see him this year because I don't think anyone really talked about him. You don't see guys who are doing good on bad teams get talked about. And I think that was absolutely the case for him. And it's gone completely unnoticed that, you know, he had a double, double season, f- scored 15 points, 10 and half rebounds, nearly three assists, 61% on twos. And he went from a guy who only shot less than a three a game to shooting three and a half. And he shot 33%. And his first year shooting volume, that's pretty respectable. I mean, it's just versatility as a passer strength, and his strength as a screener, how he impacts the floor defensively. I think he's shown enough to show us that, you know, he could live up to that Al Horford potential on this team. And I bring him up, not not just to, not just to kind of plug the guy that, you know, we're going to talk about some guys that I think could have sneaky good seasons. I think Wendell Carter Jr. is, has potential. I mean, if the magic do well, I think he has a potential to potentially get some all-star votes. if, If he continues on this trajectory. Um, but I, I think that he, Franz Wagner, I mean, even, and again, if, if the worst case scenario for a guy like Jalen Suggs, he's a role player. You've got guys in this team that know their role and know their place. And then you're, you're fitting that around a superstar. Or you think the magic are thinking they just drafted a superstar in um, Bankero. I, I think the magic just have a awesome formula here. It's so many versatile players, so many uh, defensive minded players as well that, you know, we can look at the lineups here and I think even though there's gonna be some difficulty in figuring out like who's gonna get minutes, who's not going to get minutes, you're not going to have an issue with like ha- like having lineups out there that have good players like they-, they have a healthy they have a glut honestly of good front court players, versatile wings and guards who have potential to pop and I, I think that's why I get so excited about this magic team that there's just so many endless potential for I mean you- you're a guy who you believe in, um Cole Anthony I'm not as high as on him being a starter in this league but I mean even even for me like I I think that he'd be a great six man he's a great six man off the bench scorer and I I trust a little bit more out of Markel Fultz but take your pick out of those two young guys I mean best case scenario for either and that that's a lot of good starting capital to work with a team that has been stuck in mediocrity for a while.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They're they're really building uh, an all-round roster here. They they brought Mo Bamba back, so I think him and Wendell Carter <laughs> they'll probably be competing. I don't this think there's year. a competition. I, don't I think know a competition. I know I know you don't think that, but they didn't bring back when uh, Mo Bamba on that sort of deal just to have him as a backup to Wendell Carter. It's also probably an element of what's gonna happen with Isaac. He hasn't been there for the last two seasons. They're thinking he's gonna be be healthy to to begin the new season they obviously still believe in him as part of this project, but it's kind of hard to make a call when a guy's been out oh. for two years. Let's wait and see on that let's wait and see how how he comes back. Then you look at like the potential lineups that they could have they could have a real a lot of fun lineups this this magic team this year and they can they can spend the entire year just experimenting with different lineups just to see what works like one that I would like. Possibly, if you saw Anthony Suggs Wagner Bancaro and Isaac if he's there possibly playing at the five if not Wendell Carter Jr mm. that'd be that'd be a really really fun team to watch it would offer some decent uh, potential defense and it would just be a lot of fun to see Bancaro in his rookie year playing in uh, an offensive minded team like that
0: Isaac at the five that's interesting that's interesting. Um, I, I think Isaac in particular, he's he's a guy who, you mentioned it, coming off of two years not playing. It, this is insane. He, last time he played, it was July 2020. That feels like, I mean, literally it is years ago, but that feels, I can't remember the last time he played. And, you know, he came off a year where he averaged 2.3 blocks, seven rebounds, 1.6 steals as a forward, and scored 12, 12 points on 55% true shooting. I mean, that that's I mean, he—he's a guy who, where he came from, I think everyone is looking at that. This is gonna be a perennial all—all all defense guy. Like he's—he's gonna be second team, first team for his whole career. Obviously, the ACL injury, um, his little book writing tour, everything is kind of taking precedence now. But where where does he fit in here? Because that's the question. Like you meant I like that lineup. Uh, I honestly, I'd, I'd prefer to see. Uh, Wendell Carter, because I think I think Wendell Carter is going to be a starter. I need to I need to address that first and foremost. I'm not just saying Wendell Carter just because you know he's a former Bull, but Mo Bamba. I don't. I had question marks on why he got brought back there because I mean his skill for this team is, I mean, shot blocking, which there's a lot to be desired in terms of what he should be doing as a shot blocker and what he does do. I mean, he is in the he's in the top ten percentile in um, discouraging shots at the rim. Maybe not blocking them, but he's he's a he's a stretch pick, which is great. I'm I'm happy for him. He's a stretch pick, but he doesn't do much else. I mean, Wendell Carter is a playmaker. You you can hand him the ball and he can pass the ball. You pass the ball at the elbow. You can run uh, DHOs off of him. You can run more pick and pop now, and he can do something off the dribble as well. Like there's just so much more you can do with Wendell Carter as a versatile offensive piece than Mo Bamba, was kind of relegated. I think he's going to be great with a guy like Jalen Suggs. You saw them get to a lot of um, fast break threes together where Mobamba's just trailing. Jalen Suggs will collapse the defense, run in the open court, toss it back. I mean, that, that's something I think works. But all that say, like, th- there are dynamics in this team that have already developed in this past year. Then you add in Bankero and you add in the pressure of, okay, we got to figure out this false Cole-Anthony situation. We got to figure out how to improve Wagner because he's already so good last year. Carroll, obviously, we got to make him as good as possible. Where does Isaac fit there? I think there's a, there's a possibility that, you know, Jonathan Isaac's not going to fall out of the rotation. He's too good for that, I, I think, unless he's just a complete shell of himself. But I don't, I don't think it's impossible to think that this might be a Cam Reddish situation. And is there a team out there that could potentially buy low on Jonathan Isaac? You know, he's coming off of an injury. He's probably not going to have his legs under him for a while. And the magic don't necessarily have time for that. If they don't believe that he's a long-term piece to this puzzle that they're trying to build towards.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think I definitely agree on that one. It's kind of, no harm, no foul for for the magic, especially this year. It's not something that they urgently need to to look at doing this a type of deal. They can just see what what version of Isaac that they get back, and then possibly look into to moving them on, similar to like what you said, what the, the Hawks did with Reddish. Yeah,
0: yeah, but I uh, I'll, I'll match you on that. In terms of what we're talking lineups here, I think my favorite lineup thinking about is is faults. I I believe he's he's going to be the starting point guard um gary harris he's re-upped he's probably their best shooter right now uh best two-way shooter wagner back with
1: is gary harris back with them yeah
0: yeah he re- re-signed with at, yeah uh which is weird to me too like he, he's a guy who I, I felt like was just going to be a um he was, he was just going to be some um trade piece last year but then for him to re-up with them and then you still have this. this is an interesting thing for me he, look at these two guys we're talking about trades um, you look at Gary Harris, then you also have Terrence Ross on this roster. You got Terrence Ross who has 11.5 million and expiring. Gary Harris who at wanna say it's yeah 13 million a year, two years, 26 million. You, know, you got guys who there's gonna be a hot trade market. I think there's gonna be a lot of teams who are gonna continue to try to get better in the middle of the season. And for a team who has just a glut of talent right now, I think they could definitely continue to be sellers. They were already sellers last year, but sell again this year and continue this rebuild, continue getting young talent.
1: Yeah, I think the look at that with Harris, because then you think, uh, obviously, he was a catch-and-shoot, their, their best catch-and-shoot player last, last season. But you think uh, Wagner will improve on that end. I mean, he was pretty decent last year, 37.7%. I think you'll see him closer to – to 40 probably this year, and you think of Hampton, he's another kind of role player that you think will be able to pick up that slack and and catch-and-shoot threes as well. So if they can get a good deal with a guy like Harris, it wouldn't be leaving a big hole in their team. Not that it's too important for them right now as they're still in a rebuilding process, but it's good to know that there's other players who can fill in the role. You don't have to get back an exact player like him or anything like that
0: yeah yeah you want it and that that's that's a guy on my list the odd man out like I, I think ross is you know as you you looked at his numbers dip last year and rj hampton he's, he's still not really providing enough as a shooter uh chumo kiki who i think was had really solid moments as a, a wing Um uh, wagner those are guys who are odd man out and um I think that's a good thing. That's a good dynamic. I think a lot of fans look at rosters and get stressed out because you're trying to put up lineups. You're trying to think about rotations and you're like, Oh, well, what about a role for this guy? Like competition is good and not everyone plays. No one plays 82 games except for uh, Sadiq Bay. No no one plays 82 games. You're going to need guys to fill in. You're going to have times where you have injuries and you just have to have that next man up mentality. And you got, you see teams like, like honestly like the bulls see teams like the, the Grizzlies, See teams like the warriors teams who are deep, that have guys who are willing to take those bench roles and willing to step up, and you really need that competition to drive players into that next level. I think, um, but I think that's it's enough on our magic here. I told you we'd have a <laughs> we'd have a lot to talk about in Orlando, which is exciting. And when's the last time that we could really talk about Orlando and really be so um, amped up about what they could do? Um, but I guess last thing we'll say about the Magic, though, what, what do you think is their? Ceiling. What's their ceiling this season? The highest. Everything goes right.
1: Everything goes right. They they got to be on the outskirts of the uh, of the playing tournament. They they can they could do better. Everything coming together. They could they could be just as good as the Hornets this year. Yeah. They could be better than than the Wizards possibly too. Depending on health, even the Knicks if they don't get Donovan Mitchell, they they'll still be in a bit kind of a, 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 at a crossroads. So it's not. Crazy! All things coming together. They can be on the outskirts of playing.
0: Yeah, totally agree on that. Um, Pistons, the Detroit Pistons. We already talked about how like interesting this, this fit's going to be. They got Jaden Ivey, It's, like downhill dynamite athlete. Cage, who's turning to the floor general, inside outside scoring wing, and yeah, clearly the future. They're, they're just going to be a fun combination forever. But so I think it's it's obvious. It's already been well documented, like how good of a combination that's going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's going to be they're going to be a great they're going to be a great uh, league pass team same same with the Magic but I think the rest of the team is interesting to talk about too Um, who else is on this team that's going to coalesce around these two because I really believe that over the course of five to seven years Cade and Ivy if Ivy pans out the way that I think he will that's a cornerstone duo in the way that they can be versatile on the floor together and without each other to give them a chance to just fill out this roster and make it work. Like they're I think they're that good. So I mean what do we think about these other guys? Like who who else on this roster excites you and you think would be a part of this team if they're contending in three years from now, four years from now? By contending, I mean deep in the playoffs. Or in the <laughs> uh, playoffs at least. Yeah.
1: I think Sadiq Bey is a, is a really interesting one. I think he's a guy that could really take a step up as a three-point shooter and as a as a scorer on this team, he's heading into his third year in the league. If he's primed for a third year jump, we're really going to see a lot of fun games out of this Detroit Pistons team. You think last year, he averaged 16 points, five rebounds, three assists, shot 45% from two, 35% from three, solid enough numbers. He was 38% on catch and shoot opportunities, shot 40% from the corner. So the, the ability is there. And you think with a guy like Ivy coming in, Cade getting better, he's going to get more opportunities. And you're just looking at him now is if you can stay around that mark, maybe just bump it up by, by closer to kind of 18 to 20, but he does it more efficiently. That'd be huge for this, this Pistons team. That, when you really look at him and believe he can be part of this process that they're on, hoping to get back to being a proper competitor within probably three years, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. I he's the obvious first guy to talk about, absolutely. And I, I think he's his game is is more advanced than I think people give him credit for, because he's not just a three and D guy. Because I think like who, who's the first guy you think of over in the past decade like a three and D guy? Go. You say three and D? Clay Clay Thompson. Uh, that's a really good example. I, I'd say like Clay Thompson, uh, Danny Green. Um, and like, those are the two like main guys you think of. Like they're just they're movement shooters. They just play defense. They they hustle back in the other end. And they're they're just bombing away from three. I think Sadiq Bay. You know he's not the most efficient shooter right now. If you actually filter out his twenty five weird weird twenty five game cold streak in the beginning of the season, and he shot forty one percent from the field and thirty six percent from three. Again, numbers that are improving but not elite. But you mentioned that corner three because I, I think it's important for the spacing the Pistons want to do. He's a guy that isn't just a shooter but. He has a size and a willingness to attack switches. If you put a smaller guy on him to just chase him off the three point line, he's going to post him up and he's got that strength and ability there. And that's a part of his game that can grow. He's also got, I mean, passing chops. I mean, he has the responsibility in some situations to run pick and roll. I think that's one of the most surprising things when you look back on the tape for the Pistons is how often they actually went to him and pick and roll as a ball handler. Um, and I mean, three assists a game, it's, it's all situational. Like, are, are these, are these just like swing passes, whatever? He's just part of the offense. But I think a lot of that is, is actually, passing out of the pick and roll. Um, and not to say that that's like, you know, his apex is going to be this pick and roll ball handler. That's, that's Cade's job, but the ability to read the floor as a guy who is painted as this three and D guy, I think I want to, I just want to make the emphasis that he can do more than that. I really believe that, um, and I think the defense is pretty obvious from what you see from him. He just, he has that, that um, size to play as a four. So I think his, his best position on this team is definitely a four. And for him to do it with the upside as a shot creator, not just some stationary three, three and D guy, um, that's really fascinating. I, I think he's got more potential to give him credit for. And especially with Jeremy Grant being off this team now. There's a lot of potential for him to have a breakout year. And I would not be surprised. I mean, if he is getting most improved votes, if he's averaging like 19, 20 points a game this year, all he has to do is just improve that efficiency and look at his free throw percentage. It's 85% free throw shooter and free throw metrics are by far the most accurate way that we have in predicting shooting, uh, efficient shooting from three. And he's got that. So I, I'm really, really excited about what he can bring this season, especially with the improvement that they've brought to this roster and the space that he'll have to just do what he can without Jeremy Grant there.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's really going to be interesting to see how he can grow into that role. Because Obviously, I think that's what he wanted. I think he, was, he enjoyed playing more without Grant as part of the team last year, sometimes when, when, when you look at it. So it's going to be really interesting if he – it's his time now. Can he? Can he go? Can he go and take that opportunity? Outside of him, there's kind of it's kind of some some different guys that you're kind of having the question about. Like a guy like Isaiah Stewart, like yeah, solid solid year. Can he develop at all? Is he going to be a starter on this team? I think they're they haven't got too much depth in in terms of front court. They've got a lot of bigs when you look at like Noel Olenek. Uh They just drafted Duran. Uh, Then you look at Marvin Bagley. Is he finally Mm going to show us why the hell he was a number two pick uh, a few years ago? Oh
0: man, that (laughs) needs a. When you get traded, that should just be erased from your record. Like we, we, I want to stop looking at him as a second, second overall
1: pick. And then, like, can Kevin Knox? Can he just be a guy who you can bring (laughs) off the bench? You can bring off the bench, and he can hit a couple of threes. That's 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 all I'd expect out of him. Can he actually (laughs) do that apart? As part of this piston team, where there's no there's no pressure on him, I think Alex Burke Alec Burks is a guy they got, which I think he could be a good role player on, on this team. He's a, yeah. a really shot, solid uh, three point shooter. He's just a solid all and two way guard, and I think he'll be he'll be a good player to have as part of this uh, this young roster.
0: Yeah, I all, the the Pistons are interesting to me because I think the difference between them and the Magic. For conflating teams here, um, the the guys in the Magic, I think they're they're pretty defined roles. Them. They're they've demonstrated what they're good at or how or they have versatility. Um, the Pistons have don't have that luxury, I think, because Isaiah Stewart, for example, um, number one, I have to say, has the easily hands down. And, and in the comments or or you, if anyone finds a better nickname, please tell me because I think. Beef Stew has to be the coolest nickname in the entire NBA. So that he's, he's apparently applied for a trademark on it. Um, but Beef Stew, I mean, that's a guy I think that is arguably their most versatile defender. I think he's, he's a guy who can defend the paint. He's, he's a little undersized there, but, I mean, he's stocky, strength guy. Like You look at what Draymond Green does in terms of um, stopping guys in the post and using his lower center of gravity, and Isaiah – Stewart does, does it in a similar way. Obviously not, not as good as a defender, but he's just a brick wall. <laughs> and I, I think he's a guy that is going to be able to slot in and get consistent minutes. Maybe he's not a starter because I honestly, I would love to see them get Duran in there, get him time. Cause I think duran has got tremendous potential. Um, but Stewart's going to be a guy that you can throw in, in just about any lineup, ask him to switch, ask him to drop, ask him to be an active health defender. And that's something that he's going to be able to do. Um, Stuart, though, I, I want to see him do more three-point shooting. I think he's just done it in random stretches and just not in high enough volume for us to evaluate whether that's a real thing. Marvin Bagley, um, that's another thing where how do we evaluate if that's a real thing? Scored 14.6 points per game, uh, 6.8 rebounds field goal percentage wasn't exactly what you'd love it to be the corner shooting that they really forced them into. They, they, you could tell, they really, they really wanted to experiment with that. It'd be like, okay, just shoot as many corner threes as possible. He shot a lot. Uh, I think in just 18 games, he shot almost like 50 corner threes and he's shooting around 20% of them. I just, I just don't think that's his thing. I don't think everyone can do that. So when you have Durin, you drafted Durin, and I don't know if they knew that they, they'd get him there. I mean, they, they obviously, did they extend Bagley before or after the draft? I can't remember. I can't
1: no, remember. No, 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 no.
0: but not remember. But, I mean, Bagley's effect on the team was very much positive on the offensive end when you look at how much pressure he put on the rim. Like, they didn't have anyone to really put as much pressure on the rim as he did. But now they have Durant. Do you need that replicable skill in high volume? Because, you know, it's, it's not like Bagley's just like this veteran that – you could just throw him in there for 18 to 23, 24 minutes a game. And it's fine. Like Bagley is a guy that you'll have questions on. Like, is he, does he have potential to do more? And his skill set isn't versatile enough to just throw around. Like you can't throw on Isaiah Stewart. So I expect Isaiah Stewart to get more time. I expect Durant to have a little bit more leeway to do whatever he can. So that, it's going to be a little bit complicated to figure out their front court rotation. I think it's obvious what they're going to do in the back court. Caden Ivy, day one starters, I think I think honestly that the, the one question about the backcourt is uh Killian Hayes. Yeah. Big question mark.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh so I, I think that the the front court's a mess. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I think Isaiah Stewart's consistent. Um, but the backcourt, what do we think about Killian Hayes? Is 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 that is it this is, is it effort. over? Do we call it?
1: This is his, objectively, this is here. like this is his this is the this, is, this is like his last year to really really show show it. Obviously, he's still a very young player, but he was a guy that was highly touted coming out of the draft, and now he's just one of three lottery guard draft picks uh, in this team. And at this moment, you're looking and you're thinking, he's going to be the one that's going to fall by the wayside because he just has not done enough. Obviously, struggled in his rookie year, had, had some injuries, didn't really get to play most la- last year, played 66 games, started 40 of them. Just averaged seven points, three boards, four assists. And his shooting was just pretty, pretty awful. 45% on twos, 26% on threes. You're kind of just looking and thinking, this is your third year. The pressure is on you now with Ivy coming in. You have got to find some sort of consistent shooting. You've got to be able to create for yourself. And, what could really set him apart is the playmaking. Obviously, if it's as a starter, he's probably not going to get as much of a chance to do that with Cade Cunningham being there. But if he's coming off the bench, he could really showcase how good of a playmaker he can be, and could just make the Pistons just think that little bit. Maybe, especially in Ivy's rookie year, maybe Hayes might be the, the a better a better starter than than uh, than Ivy at this moment. But I I, I wouldn't be so sure.
0: That. I think that's never happening. I think that's never happening because the and that that's the thing too with 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 uh, with Hayes is you look at the makeup of this team and then you say, okay, he's obviously the third guard. You just bring him off the bench. You let him play make off the bench. Then you look at their lineups. Uh, there's his time as a as a point guard, as a lead point guard on this team is pretty much non-existent. Like it's not there. Um, the the only lineups where he's really like the the primary guard where he's not flanked by Cade Cunningham and Frank Jackson. Um, I, I won't tell you the 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 net ratings of those teams of those lineups. Um, number one because it's poor sample size, and number two because they're they're pretty bad. Um, but I think an interesting thing about Killian Hayes too is the eye test. You look at him play defense, and he's a great defender. He's a great defender, top-notch. Um, but then you, you look at the tracking data too, and it, it kind of opposes what you look at in terms of basketball index, describes him as top 20 and on-ball pressure and sees him as good on-ball defender. Um, but then percentages, you know, opponents on average are shooting 2% better on him, So it's, it feels negligible. It doesn't feel real. Um, and maybe stats are, are funky, they're often funky. But all that to say his net impact on defense almost doesn't net him a deserving position on this team. Like he has to prove it offensively. Like there's nothing that's really keeping him on this team at this moment, besides the fact that he was drafted with a high pick and those guys start to get, like you said, it's hard to get murky year three, year four. What do you do? What are you, what are you supposed to do here? Cause th- this team has accelerated their timeline considerably by getting a guy like Jaden Ivey, that makes a ton of sense around Kate Cunningham. There's questions with Killian Hayes, Kate Cunningham. How does that work? There's no questions around Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham right now, so he really needs to figure it out. Because when you're when you're thinking about lineups, when you're thinking about you know what what's going to be some really interesting ways that they work this team in, it's hard to throw Killian Hayes in there. It's not easy to, to throw him in there and be like, yeah, he he's he's a guy next to Kate Cunningham instead of fill-in-the-blank player that would be better and that's a problem for him
1: yeah yeah no I think I think I definitely agree what do you think what do you think is that the ceiling for Cade in, in his year too I think a lot of people are expecting all star, a big second year you really yeah you think you can get up to that um,
0: and this is the best case scenario right and, and I think this this it's tough in the east and this comes with a caveat I, I think we we have to we have to now this season We have to separate what we mean by all-star caliber versus all-star actual, because it's easy to say all-star caliber, but in reality, dude, like look at the depth that we have in the Eastern Conference now, and it's incredibly difficult difficult to make this team. But to become an all-star caliber player this year, absolutely. Absolutely. You just saw how much more aggressive he got with health, and in the second half of this year, just getting to the cup and being more aggressive getting – increasing his shot diet at the rim and in the mid-range, as opposed to just settling for three-point jumpers. I mean, him starting to adapt to the NBA game and things starting to slow down for him, that is something that I think will come quicker to a guy like Cade who sees the floor at that elite level compared to other players. I think this is a guy who, in very short time, will be able to manipulate the game along with the best players in the league in, in the way that I think you know, not again, not to the same level as Doncic, but in the same way that you see wings like Doncic analyze the game. You've already seen flashes of it. Now him doing it consistently, consistently, I think that just that just takes time. And if it happens this year, I'm not surprised. If he's an all-star caliber player. Getting in, I mean, that that would mean that the Pistons really popped off and somehow things really went right. I think that's a little less likely than a team like the Magic, just because they they don't have as many set roles for these players. But I think for K, that that's definitely possible.
1: Yeah, they're definitely not not ready to all fully pop as a whole just yet. But what do you think is the ceiling then for for the Pistons?
0: Honestly, I I think they'll be bad. I I I, I don't. I think they'll be at best. I think they're they're the eleventh best team, tenth best team. Um, just a shout outside of the the play in because I, I think. It's complicated to figure out the, the starting lineup, and when you look at the the backups, when you look at how you're how you're running your rotations, I mean the spacing for this team is going to be awful. I mean they they're only two like real real shooters is Isaiah Livers who's coming into a second year who I think is could actually potentially be a really really great three point shooter. All your fantasy players out there, if you need a low cost three point shooter, there you go. Um, and Burks. Bay maybe gets better, but they they don't they don't have enough shooting on this team to facilitate what they want to do at a high level. Mm. And there's just it's just gonna to be too clunky again this year. There's they just need so much more player development for that to work out.
1: Yeah. So I think it's a, you, you might enjoy watching the Pistons, but uh, overall it won't have too much of too much of an impact on the on the record compared to last year. Yeah. Moving on to the final team then, the Indiana Pacers. Like we keep on saying, this is such a weird situation for them because I mean they get Rick Carlisle in, uh, an experienced coach who's who's taken teams consistently to, to the playoffs, and then they look like they're they're moving towards entering sort of a rebuilding sort of job. Whether they were forced into that, I don't know. But what are they? What what's going to be the aim for them? They were the 13th seed last year. Like, are they going to be looking to be? in the lottery again, or are they going to be, yeah, you think that's going to be their aim? Absolutely. I mean, aim,
0: Rick Carlisle is not a tanker ever, 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 ever. Um, Tyrese Albert is a competitor. Um, Matherin from what you've heard from is a competitor. I I mean, you can say that about any player, but these guys, any guys want to win. So, I mean, as an organization, I don't think they're trying to lose. Um. I mean, they they tried to sign DeAndre Aiden. I, I think they, they wanted to move in a positive direction. They don't want to move backwards to draft. I think they want to move forwards. And um, I, I think that realistically, you just look at this roster. You, you look at who they have here, and they are going to head there. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Just like we talked about with the Hornets. Like, patience is fine for them. Uh, I think the bright spot here is Tyrese Halliburton, who – I think it's becoming quite obvious is just, I, I, I don't think I, I, I don't think I framed this correctly when we first talked about this bonus Halliburton trade, I think looking at it closer, I think that that is actually probably one of the best trades to happen for an organization one of the most lopsided trades to in maybe I, I can't remember five, 10 years, five, 10 years. Dwanis Abonis, who at the peak of his powers, two-time All-Star, really solid big, solid. But you look at what Halliburton does as a guard, just a much more important player in this in this league, honestly. As a guard, a, a combo guard is in the top 10 percentile in everything that matters. The pick-and-roll handler, catch-and-shoot as a shooter in general. A, a guy who we thought coming to this league was not going to be a good shooter just because of his form. And I still hate on, I hate it. I, every time he shoots, it just, it's disgusting, but it's so good. He's such a good player. And he's such a smart player as a passer. I I think he's, he's, I'm buying into the hype that he's a multiple time all-star in this league. I, I think that that's the guy that this, that that's what matters about this season. He's already in the, I think he's, I have the betting odds, but he's in the top 10 for most improved predictions this year. And if the Pacers fans or fan base is looking for something to hang their hat on this season, it's that Tyrese Halliburton went from being an interesting, talented young player into being a burgeoning star. I think that's well in the cards for the guy like him.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think they're, he's going to have that opportunity as well because there's no other player really on the team that's going to demand as many shots as him. is going to demand to have the ball in his hands as much as Halliburton. So he's kind of just got free reign to go out and show the best version of himself and obviously you talk about the scoring and the shooting that he has and he's also got ability as a playmaker and when he's got guys like Duarte and Mathurin cuz I think Mathurin's going to be gonna come in and going to be able to have a really big impact as a rookie in terms of his uh his shooting and his transition play right right off the bat it, it's going to be great for for Halliburton and I think he's in the in a great position to really take off this season and show the best version of himself. It might not mean that the Pacers are back up uh, as a playing contender, but if he has a great year, if Mathurin has a good rookie year, Duarte takes another step on because he's only going into his sophomore year, but he is an older player, so you, you can't expect that that little bit more from him. Then you're looking at it. They could have a lottery pick, but also being in a really good possession Uh, Going into the 2023 24 season, where they could be thinking, even though we're a lot of a team, we are still looking at being much more of a competitor in terms of getting into the playoffs. Then,
0: yeah, and you're you're mentioning these guys and the shooting in particular. Um, this I'm really excited for Ray Carlisle because you know, this is not going to be a contending team, but I'd love to see what he does with their backcourt. Um, because Duarte, I, I think. I think Duarte, you know, he's not going to be an all star level player, but I, this feels like a lazy comparison too, but I, I feel like he can achieve a Danny Green level of role on a team like this, like San Antonio, Danny Green, like championship um, equity level shooter, defender. Um, and Halliburton, a guy who I think has really started to figure out the NBA, really started to figure out how he can use his speed and use his, his outside shooting to his advantage is just starting to like scrape the outside potential that he has as a playmaker. He's got shooters. And I, I dude that. That was the biggest thing about uh, Matherin. I mean, we talked about a little bit on Bank Harrow, um, a little bit on Ivy and what changed. I, I think one thing that changed my opinion is his shooting. And it's the willingness, it's the aggression. Like you have, you have guys that are off ball shooters that are, are solid. Like they'll get to their spot, they'll space the floor because that's what they're supposed to do. That's where they're supposed to be. But when you watch Matherin, he has the, he has the feel and the understanding and the aggression of a guy who knows how to get to his spot and when to get to his spot as a shooter and the and the and he uses his athleticism to get there and to get to his shot and it's almost uncontested at his size um, getting up into it I think he's going to be a great shooter and even in his rookie year so you got him and you got Buddy Healed, mm-hmm. and I think Jalen Smith I think that shooting's real I think you you let Jalen Smith shoot more I think he's going to be a good shooter Miles Turner if he's still on this team is a good shooter there's a lot of shooters on this team I mean Tyrese Halliburton I'm not surprised if he's if God, I, I don't want to get into a hot take late. This is always what happens. We we record long enough and I just start throwing out hot takes. But Tyrese Halliburton, with all the the finishers that he has from, from the perimeter, I, I think that this team, number one, could be in the top 10 three point shooting. And I think they could be Tyrese Halliburton could be flirting with eight to ten assists per game. Maybe he's flirting with triple doubles on a weekly basis. Who knows I, I i don't i think he's that good i think the shooters the shooting potential on this team is that good um i guess when you look at at the end of the day i still think it's good that this team is probably going to be probably one of the worst teams in the league There's just i don't think they're gonna get stops they're just not gonna get stops there's there's nothing here and i didn't even mention aaron Smith, another potential shooter maybe he finally turns into what i thought he would be <laughs>
1: Yeah, that that, that that could be really big uh, for him. Obviously, there's not really any pressure on him this year at Indiana. They're not thinking we have to be a playoff team. We have to be battling for the play, and playing, nothing like that. So, pressure's off Aaron He can he can find a role on this team as a as a three and D good kind of core player. That that'd be great for for this Indiana team. When you think Buddy Hill, it's not even 100 percent that he's going to be there start of the year. I think there's teams that will still shop him, especially. Approaching the trade deadline, uh, obviously looking way ahead there. They'll, the people will, be, will probably be asking about Buddy Heald all season. But I think if Turner can stay healthy, that'll, that'll give them a slight boost on, uh, on the defensive end. But the shooting is the big thing. I, uh, you just think if all things come together, if Mathurin has the big, the big, uh, rookie year, if Duarte, like Duarte was making 1.7. Of his attempts uh, last uh, last season on his threes, I think he could double that this year. Oh, honestly, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a, like that's how good of a shooter he is. And if he he's able to do that, Halliburton really kicks on. They have healed for a good portion of the season. It wouldn't be crazy to think of them as a team that are still within a chance of making the play and come the no. last month or two of the season.
0: I hope not. I hope not. I, I think they, they still need more. I, I I hope. And and I think that's uh, you made a good point. I think with healed. I think with, with Heald and with Turner, I mean, Turner's ability as a defender, uh, I think that's that's transformative. I think he, he is such a deterrent at the rim that he can improve a team's defense by a lot. I think Buddy Heald's gravity as a shooter, even in even in a, a year where he it wasn't his best year shooting by any potential means, but you get rid of those two guys. And I think they should, I think they should come up, get off those guys to be bad. I think there's a team that you, you want to be in the lottery. Like Ty, Tyrese Halliburton is good. He'll improve with or without them. I think, cause I, I did try to think about this. Like, you know, do you want to keep Turner? Do you want to keep Buddy Heald because they make guys like Halliburton better? Yes, but you get rid of Miles Turner. I mean, offensively. Um, yeah, I mean, Jalen Smith, I think, is very repeatable. I mean, he's not going to provide the same interior defense that Miles Turner does, but you know, Miles Turner isn't a great post defender either. He's a great shot blocker, but he's not a good post defender. Jalen Smith, I think, could grow into a better shot blocker, not better than Miles Turner, obviously, but Buddy Healed. I mean, you got Chris Duarte, you got Aaron Neesmith, you got Mather, You want to let the, you got, you got Nemhard. I mean, again, it's just a second round pick guy, but you got guys that you want to develop into the roles that you currently have on this team. And I think teams will be clamoring for a guy like Buddy Healy. Again, this is a very competitive season. I think there's going to be plenty of teams during the trade deadline that are going to try to get guys like this, especially on, on teams like the Pacers, teams like the Magic, teams like the Pistons that are, that have vets that are willing to sell them. I think there's going to be a market and not just to get draft capital, not just to get off those players to be bad. But I, I think that, you know, you, you need, you need a little bit more around Terry Celebrate and Ben Mather. You, you want to see if you can get higher in the lottery you can get someone a little bit more impactful.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I think, I think I, I would say Heald is much more likely to go than Turner, but uh, I think if, if both of them go on, I don't think anyone, Anyone would be too surprised. I think, in terms of the Pacers, we're not really looking at a ceiling for them. The ceiling for them is probably Mathurin has a great rookie year, Duarte has a good sophomore year, Halliburton is pushing the realms of of all star level talent, but they remain as 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 a lottery as a lottery team.
0: I I think it all comes to Like the, this is this is a fun. This is the best case scenario for a tanking team. Best case scenario, really. Like. You want, best case scenario, you you trade Miles Turner for picks. If you can get a first-round pick, that's awesome. And then Jalen Smith steps in and blossoms. There you go. That's a success. Buddy Heald, you trade him. You get a first-round pick. If you get him, awesome. If you can get two first-round picks out of those guys, that's that's a massive win. Chris Duarte steps in. Aaron Nisa, you, you get development there. Like you said, Ben Matherin has a good season. And then the absolute – I mean, it's not the cherry; it's the whole cake. I mean, Ty- Tyrese Halliburton's the entire cake. If, if Tyrese Halliburton takes that next step, and even if he's not most improved, if he's if you're mad, if you're Ty- if you're a Pacers fan, you're mad that he did not win most improved player. That is a success. If he wins, that's a massive success because you can watch this team, and you can value the growth that you're getting out of these young players. Because I think there's absolute talent here. There's untapped talent in the outside guys like Neesmith, Smith, like Brissette. Um, like Nemard like uh, Neesmith and then you got your main guys who I think you can really invest in as fans and really believe in I, I think you can believe in Halliburton as being a cornerstone for this team yeah you need more I think you need more lottery talent you, you need more things to happen maybe future moves down the line but you have a guy that you can believe in to actually develop this team that was Victor Oladipo before but this I think is different
1: yeah yeah, I think I think I'd, I'd have to uh, have to have to agree with you there, Indiana. You always I, have to agree. With me. Yeah, that's true. You're always right. I, I, know, I, know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, what, I know, what you, I know you know you know what you're talking about. So I, I, I'll ch- <laughs> I'll trust ch- in your words. But uh, that's uh, the the bottom three teams in the East that are done. There, they've they've all made some some moves. They've all got lottery picks in, but it's likely going to be another tough season for each of the teams. But Especially in terms of Detroit and Orlando heading in the right direction. And I think that'll just about do it for this episode. Unfortunately, the next episode, we're going to have to talk about the New York <laughs> Knicks. I've been too It's been, been a whole summer. It. I've we've waited the whole to summer. It, but it has to, it, it has to happen. Um, we'll get that done. The Knicks and the Wizards, we're not going to be discussing Boston. I think we've already said everything that needs to be said on them. The Nets. We still don't know. It would be all hypotheticals because we still don't know what, how they're going to be come the start of the season. But Knicks and Wizards up next. Orlando, Detroit, Indiana. Don't hold your breath.
0: You just you just had to tear down my positivity there. Like I, I tried to end on a positive note. <laughs> Typical Knicks fan. But anyway guys, thanks for staying with us this episode. Look forward to having you next time. At any rate, have a great week and take care.
1: Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.